Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 58. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button on the homepage, and download your Filler Up book today. It's free at CarsYeah.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm very excited to introduce my special guest, Michael Kaiser. Michael, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yes, I am. All right. It's great to have you here. Michael Kaiser operates Autosports Marketing Associates in Butler, Maryland. In 1969, he became interested in motor racing, and for the next decade, he was a photographer, filmmaker, and he won the 12 Hours of Sebring as a driver in 1976 with Al Holbert. His book and film, The Speed Merchants, is a classic, along with A French Kiss with Death, Steve McQueen and the Making of Le Mans, which he co-wrote. Michael has edited and produced numerous automotive books, film essays, and his current project, 84 Hours of Endurance, Daytona, Sebring, Watkins Glen, 1970 and 1971, will be available in December. You'll discover a wonderful collection of vintage racing posters, DVDs, and books on his website, www.autosportsltd.com. So, Michael, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you, so please take a moment and share some more about your history, your career, your interest, and, of course, your passion for automobiles. Well, I guess it goes back to, uh, I don't know, I guess I was eight or nine when I got a go-kart, and uh, I grew up on a farm. And we had a lot of uh, a lot of long roads all around the farm, and I drove the go kart up and down and up and down and up and down. It was a I remember it was called an Acer Racer, <laughs> two and a half horsepower Clinton engine, and I about wore that out. And I graduated from that into uh, an old Jeepster that our family had. I still was didn't have my driver's license, so I I drove that around the farm. We had a lot of dirt roads, and uh, I would slide it around corners and uh, here and there and. Uh, uh, when I wasn't uh, at school or uh, uh, asleep, I was driving the Jeeps. And I got my driver's license. We had a uh, 1964 Ford Mustang, and that wasn't, wasn't my car, but I got to drive it a lot. Then progressed from there, and when I graduated from high school, uh, my father very generously sent me to pick up his new Porsche 911 at the factory in Stuttgart. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what a lucky kid. Uh, yeah. As I say, it, uh, as I always say, it's hard to eat when you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Anyway, <laughs> I love that. So uh, myself and a couple of friends uh, went over. I, uh, we rented a, a VW Fastback for two of the guys, and uh, myself and another friend, and we drove. Um, the list of cities that we hit was uh, fairly phenomenal, all over Germany, France, Austria, Switzerland, and then down to Italy, where so happened that uh, my father had built a, a, a house, they call them Bellas over there, mm-hmm. uh, on the coast of uh, Tuscany, um, and that's where I grew up in the summers. I had uh, 
motorbikes and boats and God knows what else. I guess the uh, go-kart, the Jeepster, and the Porsche 911. Uh, actually, the first car I drove, as I recall, was my father's Porsche Speedster. Oh, another favorite of mine. I was allowed to drive it in the driveway one day, and that was my first taste of uh, power. Um, wow. So that, that that was basically my uh, background in things automotive. I wasn't really interested in motor racing at the time uh, until 69, and that's when uh, a friend of mine went down to the 12 Hours of Sebring and came back and said, boy, we got to get involved in this sport. It's really neat. And uh, that's how that whole thing started. Oh, my gosh. Well, what a wonderful childhood of getting to, to do all those amazing things. And then in 69, for you to decide to go racing and then end up doing the kind of races that you did, what led you to endurance? Well, I got involved uh, in motor racing, um, as I said, in 69. Uh, there was a, a local driver here named Bruce Jennings, who was a, a Porsche ace. Uh, he also went by the name of King Carrera. Oh, wow. <laughs> he, he dominated the uh, Porsche Carrera class C production back then. Uh, when my friend came back from Sebring and said we ought to get involved in this, the first thing we did was run out and buy a 67 uh, uh, 911S that was converted to uh, racing specs, and uh, Bruce Jennings drove it in the Trans Am in 1969 with some, uh, well, some success. We managed to finish all the races we entered, put it that way. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I figured if I was going to be paying some of these bills, I wanted to have some of the fun. So in uh, the fall of 69, I went to my first driver school at uh, Marlboro Racetrack outside of D.C., uh, which is long since defunct. That was in the fall of 69. Then in the uh, spring of 70, I went to my second driver school at Bridgehampton, which is also defunct. And then started racing in SCCA national and regional events. And the following year, uh, I found myself behind the wheel of the car at uh, 24 Hours of Daytona, being passed by 917s and Ferrari 512s. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that must have been incredible. And you got, in, it was 1976 that you won the 12 Hours, and you raced with Al Holbert, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, that was, uh, I suppose, because uh, the highlight of my career, although the, actually the, my favorite race uh, was back in 72. Uh, when I uh, drove in a bunch of races, well, they, uh, Daytona, Sebring, um, and then we went over and I did the Targa Florio in Sicily, Nürburgring, 1,000 Ks, and the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Oh, gosh. Um, I was going to say, you're like Johnny Cash. You've been everywhere, man. <laughs> well, uh, not everywhere, but a few places. Uh, just a few places. Is there a, a race that you did through those years that you, you started to mention your favorite? Was there a race that was your favorite race that you can just vividly remember well i think it was probably uh the, uh other than the win at sebring which was obviously uh, gratifying in 72 the target florio because it was such a uh, historic race of uh, unusual 44 miles through the mountains of sicily um at the same time um 72 was the year that i uh, produced a film called the speed merchants uh, where we uh shot at uh those races, Daytona, Sebring, Targa, Nürburgring, Le Mans, and Watkins Glen. And we used my car, which was a 2.5 Porsche 911, as the camera car, which we mounted cameras on it during the uh, practice sessions. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. But the Targa was just a you know such a unique event, and the fact that I had grown up in the summer in Italy, <clears throat> in Italy, I spoke Italian fairly fluently. It was just a, a magical experience, and in fact, last October I had uh, just finished up a book on called Racing Demons Porsche and the Targa Florio, and we went. I went back for the first time since '72 to Sicily. I gave a presentation party for the book in a little town called Cefalu, which is right a few miles away from the circuit. Invited a lot of the Porsche drivers around Sicily and some journalists and uh, some other friends. Among them was uh, good old Nino Vaccarella, a school teacher from uh, Palermo, who was a, a very famous driver back at that time. But we had a uh, great party. The chef at the hotel where we uh, had the party made a, a, a great cake in the shape of my car that I drove there in 72. <laughs> having your and, cake and eating it, too. <laughs> yes, having my, I, I, that definitely was the case. I remember telling my wife right before we went up to the party, I said, this is, this is only going to happen once in our life. Yeah. So, anyway, that, that target was, was uh, Le Mans. I like Le Mans. I uh, did that uh, four times. Uh, that was back uh, when, as I said, when the Molson was straight. <laughs> uh, they've kind of defanged the course with the chicanes and whatnot, but uh, it was it was a quicker circuit back in, back in those days. Magnificent history and experiences that you've had, and it sounds like we could maybe have you back at Cars Yeah and just talk about some of those races. But right now I'd like to move a little bit forward and talk a little bit about a success quote something that has been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Michael, take the wheel. Well, success. my father told me uh, years and years ago when I was growing up, he told me the road to success is lined with boring and devious bastards. Mm. <laughs> I love that. I love that. How, how have you incorporated that wonderful quote into your life and your business? Well, there's always uh, a lot in, in motor racing and in and, and, and life, really. There's a lot of devious bastards out there, scam artists, people that uh, try to take advantage of you. Um, so I've learned early on that uh, try to surround yourself with trustworthy people. Oh, absolutely. You know, and that's a message that entrepreneurs really take to heart, especially young entrepreneurs. You've obviously been around for a while, but is to surround yourself with successful people. That's a key thing. It sounds like that's worked for you. Well, um, I've had some, you know, I've been tied up with some untrustworthy people, but uh, you can't believe everything people tell you. Uh, Double check it twice. uh, And uh, I've always tried to treat people the way I'd like to be treated. And uh, as my father also told me, uh, try to take care of people who uh, are less fortunate than you. Mm-hmm. I've been very fortunate in life, and so I, you know, I, I do try here and there. I, do, I try to take care of people that are less fortunate than me. And finally, I guess you know you can't do everything yourself. Um, again, surround yourself with uh, good people. On on the Speed Merchants film, um, I got involved in that so quick it made my head spin. Uh, I was flying over to uh, Stuttgart in. Uh, December of 71 to check up on a new car that was being built over there for me. During the flight, I decided uh, that I wanted to make this film about motor racing to try to explain it to people who didn't really, weren't really, uh, really aware of, of what it was. 
Within a month, I assembled a crew of people to, who were um, professionals in the film business to uh, help me with the film, and uh, we started shooting at the at the actually it was a six-hour race at Daytona in '72, and I was very fortunate to have uh, very good people working with me. Uh, producers, uh, cameramen, sound men, uh, you name it. Um, otherwise, the film could have turned out to be a, a financial and creative disaster. And as it turned out, it uh, has received some, uh, you know, some positive uh, reviews over the years. And that was, what, over 40 years ago. And it still holds up fairly good. As a matter of fact, uh, they showed it a few weeks ago up at the Simeone Museum in uh, Philadelphia and uh, got a a good reception uh, uh, again. It's uh, true to the test of time, and it is a great film. I enjoyed it, and I haven't seen it in a while. I need to uh, pull it back out and watch it again. That's magnificent. Would you share with us a story that instigated your passion for cars? Tell us that pivotal moment that you can remember that you really knew you were a car guy. Well, it, <laughs> uh, you talk about an aha moment. I suppose the aha moment for me was when I... Uh, before I got into racing, when I managed to drive my, uh, I had a 67 Porsche street car, and uh, I managed to drive it at a high rate of speed into a stone wall. Ooh, ouch. Uh, and spent two weeks in the hospital for my efforts. And that, oh, no. That was kind of an aha moment. Uh, I mean, yeah. And I guess, uh, yeah, I mean, it was like, if you're going to start racing or driving fast, uh, maybe you ought to confine it to the racetrack. Yes. And that's uh, shortly after that is when I got, got involved in uh, in motor racing. And I, I guess another aha moment was uh, the first time I won a race. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and what was that? Which race was that, the first one? The first uh, the first big race? Uh, I have to say it was probably 1972. Um, I won the six-hour race out at uh, Mid-Ohio with mm. a, a buddy of mine named Bob Beasley. Mm-hmm. It was an IMSA race, and matter of fact, we won it in '72 and '73. All right, and that was, uh, you know, and as, as uh, I remember, uh, my old buddy Peter Redson, he told me, you know, you know, second place is no place. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of what you feel once you've won a race. Uh, that's all you want to do, and if you finish second and you did your best, that's one thing. But uh, it, it's not, it's not winning. Absolutely. Michael, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and, and really crawl under the hood and get our hands a little dirty. Would you share with us a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced that really pushed you to a breaking point, and more importantly, how you overcame that situation and what you learned from it? Well, uh, I mean, I have to go back again to this film I made. Um, I was 25 years old, and, uh, you know, I, I have to look back and wonder what the heck I was thought I was doing, <laughs> but uh, there were just uh, multiple obstacles of uh, uh, filming at all these uh, circuits around, you know, in this country and then over in Europe, and at the same time uh, driving, um, I kind of put on two hats. I'd, uh, I'd meet with the film crew, and we'd have a, a strategy session about what we were trying to accomplish in the uh, at the race or wherever we were filming. Then I'd put on another hat, or my helmet, so to speak, and go out and, and, and race and drive. There were some <laughs> some times when I questioned my sanity about undertaking this project, and uh, I don't know, I just buckled down, and uh, um, if it was a bad day, you know, just said, well, tomorrow can only be better. 
Sure. And I guess, uh, uh, again, to go take a quote from an old old buddy of mine, a driver named Milt Mender, who I raced with numerous times back in the 70s, and uh, he had a saying, it was, it's a little complicated, uh, it was donkey bop. Donkey and, bop? <laughs> donkey bop. And it goes, it's a, a story is too long to tell, but it, it, it has to do with the song on a, jukebox and a Mexican guy who loved the song and he kept asking the person who was bringing in the records the distributor whether he could get a copy of Donkey Bop and the guy scratched his head and he said what are you talking about and finally he went over to the, the guy, Mexican guy went over to the jukebox and he saw the record was playing and it was Don't Give Up Don't Give Up <laughs> and he didn't give up and in racing you don't give up <laughs> well, no, you can, you know, especially in endurance racing, you know. Right. I remember at Le Mans '74, uh, I started the race, and geez, I don't know. Uh, immediately, I could feel my clutch. The clutch was slipping. We just got a new transmission, and I guess it wasn't exactly right. And we came into the uh, came into the pits, and they had to pull the engine and uh, replace the seal in the transmission. And I went back to the. We had a motorhome there that we were using, and I remember I went out and I, I slipped a, a cassette. They had cassettes back then into the uh, tape recorder, and the first song that came up was Linda Ronstead singing, Every, Everybody loves a winner, but when you lose, you lose alone. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> wonder if you uh, turned that off immediately or if that inspired you to go on and, and just race harder. That was funny because the New York Times reporter was there, uh, Mike Katz, I think his name was, and he came in to you know interview me, ask some questions, and I said, "Listen to that record." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that's funny. That's funny. Well, let's have a little fun here, Michael. What was your first car? Your first really special car, and maybe you could share a memory too you had with that vehicle. My first special car. Oh, geez, I had so many of them. Um, well, the first one, the first one that really meant something to you. Um. You know, there's, there's a couple. Uh, I had a, I think it was in '72. I got a BMW Bavaria, mm-hmm. uh, which was a, a six-cylinder car, and it, I think it cost about six thousand dollars. And it was just a neat car, six cylinders, quite fast. It was very simple. Got you where you wanted to go. Wish I still had it. Uh, that was that was a special car. Of course, I thought the '64 Mustang that uh, I was allowed to drive that was kind of neat. Of course, uh, I had a Ferrari Jones. Had to have one of them, so I got that out of my system in, um, geez, around seven, early '70s when I bought a uh, 365 GT two plus two um, mm. from Kennedy up in uh, Greenwich, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. But from the moment I had it, it was nothing but trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a. I was going to say I just had a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday that's looking at buying his first Ferrari, and I'll have to uh, make sure he listens to this interview because um, I I gave him a whole list of my friend's experiences with Ferraris, but at the end I say you're going to get it anyway, so you might as well do it. Yeah. Now, nah, I mean the, the one thing immediately was it had leather seats, and if you sat out in the sun, the seats were like sweat, and the inside of the all the all the glass would clog up it with sort of some kind of a. I spent half my time cleaning the windshield. Oh, or sure. The, uh, or the glass in it. Something gassing off that uh, that vinyl or leather, whatever it was. I think I bought it for 16000 and sold it for eight just to get it out of my way. <laughs> there you go. 
Well, let's talk a, a moment about seller's remorse, and maybe you already answered the question. Is there a vehicle that you've sold that you really wish you had back? Well, that would have to be my 74 RSR. Um, mm, yeah. I, I drove that in 74 and 75. Um, I guess one. Of, it was just a neat car. Um, you could throw it around the track anywhere. It was uh, uh, handled very well. That car... Bruce Canepa, who sells uh, uh, fancy cars out on the West Coast. Oh, sure. I just saw him last weekend at the Laguna Seca Historics. He has bought and sold that car about three, four, five times. He'll sell it, buy it back, resell it. And last time, I think it sold for over a million dollars. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and here, I, I bought it for about 30000 back in 74. Yeah. So I, obviously, uh, I, I wouldn't mind having that one back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That That sounds like a really special car. Is there a project that you're working on right now that really has you fired up and excited? No, because I'm just finishing a project. <laughs> well, why don't you talk a little uh, bit about that project? Because we mentioned at the beginning uh, the yeah. new book's going to be available in December, which is perfect Christmas gift for the car guy, the car gal. Maybe you could share a little bit about that book with us. Well, uh, one of the problems, at least one of my problems, uh, I guess everybody's problem is uh, this will be my 10th book. First of all, it has to be a subject that interests me. Mm-hmm. Second of all, it has to be a, a subject that hasn't been covered uh, um, extensively, or if it has been, it has you know there's room to try to do a better job on it. And third, you know, it has to be somewhat financially viable. So when you combine those two together, it narrows the field down. And uh, before I got into racing, I. Uh, I had a photography business, and when I got into racing, I um, would t- both take pictures at the uh, races, and also uh, we had our team. And I shot at Daytona, Sebring, and Watkins Glen in 70 and 70. Well, not 71, I was racing then, but in 70. So I have a good collection of photos from that year. And so I said, well, you know, Daytona, Sebring, Watkins Glen, you got the high banks of Daytona, the flat runways of Sebring, and the winding road course at Watkins Glen. And those years, 70 and 71, um, were kind of a unique, uh, quote-unquote, golden era in sports. There are a lot of golden eras, but that was when the Porsche 917s and the Ferrari 512s uh, faced off. And it was the uh, those three races were the only time for many Americans to see the cars run. So I decided uh, to try to put together a, a book on that, which is uh, some text, but mainly photographs of uh, those six races. And the title, 84 Hours, is the total of 24, 12, and 6 times 2. <laughs> um, so um, I'm just uh, about to send the files off to the printer um, in another week or so. Unfortunately, I try to do books that will come out around September for the Christmas audience, but you can't always time it uh, exactly right. So sure. this one won't be out until, uh, really I won't have until December, which is a little late for the Christmas season, but hopefully I'll have some in before uh, um, so people can take advantage of them for Christmas. But, sure. Um, when I do these books, it, uh, the exciting, if there is an exciting part of it, it's a lot of work. Is And I always work with uh, uh, photographic books. I much, enjoy much more uh, designing the book than I do writing. I am a writer, I guess you'd say. I've written <laughs> written 10 books. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
that's more difficult for me. I, I love pushing the pictures around the pages and trying to get them to work together. Oh yeah. You know what, or I know what I'm looking for, but uh, to find the photos, uh, there are agencies such as LAT and Getty Images and several others that that's their job is to uh, stockpile these images from over the years and. Uh, those are those are the easy ones to find. Uh, they, a lot of them have websites you can go and um, see what they have. But uh, a lot of photos are sitting on the shelves of individuals somewhere in boxes. And, right. Uh, and I'll know that I'm looking for a certain photo of uh, uh, an event at one of these races, and so I'll, you go on a, a treasure hunt, so to speak, and you. You ask somebody, and they say, I don't have it, but so-and-so might. And you go to so-and-so, and they say, well, I don't have it, but I know Joe Blow was there. It's a struggle to try to get to the to the, to the the person that might have the image. And when when finally you find a photo you're looking for, uh, or photos, um, you know, that, that, that is... Or if you're writing the text and... Um, you, there's a story of the race and that you heard or something, and then you go to various sources and you confirm what you what you uh, thought was true, um, so that you you know you don't want to put out false information. Right. And you know that's kind of an aha moment when you go, "Yep, it is true. I can write that." Sure. Um, I don't really get too excited when I start a book. Uh, when I get into it. I do remember when I was working on the Steve McQueen book. Uh, you know, I would be in bed at night, and I would think of something, and I would get up, go into my office, fire up the computer, and 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 write stuff so that it was fresh in my mind. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was afraid the next afraid the next morning I'd forget what I was thinking about. Well, here's an interesting question for you, Michael. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be, and why? What kind of car would I be in? I guess I'd have to be a, 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 a I have to go back to Port, the Porsche Speedster, which was the first car that I never drove it on the on the road. I drove it up and down my parents' driveway. Yeah, but it must be the car uh, that I'd be because every every once in a while, I hadn't been for a while, I dream that I own one, <laughs> <laughs> and I and I go out and drive it around. Yeah. And if I hit the lottery or something, uh, I'll definitely get myself a Porsche Speedster. Well, Michael, this is a fun part of our talk. I call it the last lap, and you know what that means. The white flag is out. And this is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready to go? I'm ready. Okay. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Keep it between the ditches. <laughs> yes. Most definitely. <laughs> Could you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? Don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. Oh, yeah. That's definitely for sure. Procrastination will kill you every time. No, it drives me, drives me nuts when I... Uh, uh, I got a lot of people that uh, ask me for photos for projects they're doing, and I drop... Not drop everything, but within 24 hours, I, I send it off. And when I'm trying to get get photos or something and and i ask somebody i know they got them and and you know a week goes by two weeks a month it drives me nuts oh yeah oh yeah well i know a little bit about the kind of guy you are because when i called you about doing this interview you immediately answered the phone and we set it up for the next few days and here we are so i appreciate that uh that habit of yours it's really great 
Do you have a resource that you could share with our listeners that you're really fond of? Maybe it's a website or a forum or something that you're regularly visiting? Yeah, well, it has to do with my work. Um, I'm constantly checking, uh, not statistics, but results. And there's two that I, that I not that they're 100% accurate, because I tell you, when I do these books, uh, specifically the Targa Floria book, uh, I would uh, found, geez, five, six, seven sources for um, the results or, or the race reports, and I would read through them, and each one of them would be different. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, it's hard to find a, a super accurate information, but uh, the two that I... Uh, referred to quite often is one called com, which has uh, results for many, 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 many races. And, uh, you know, it gives you the driver's name, st- uh, name, starting position, finishing position, car they drove, etc. Uh, I use that one quite a bit. Um, and another one um, that I, I can't imagine the amount of work that went into it, one called racingsportscars.com. Mm-hmm. All of the racing history only has text. Uh, uh, racing sports cars uh, has a lot of shots of the individual cars, and I find that very helpful when I'm trying to check the uh, um, facts in a race. Other ones, uh, ultimate car, uh, what is it called? The ultimate car pages. Okay. It's uh, another one um, that, and that's just not racing cars. That's also street cars. It gives you the. Uh, an overview of the history of the car, uh, its specs, uh, so forth and so on. And, you know, the people that have done these things, uh, I mean, the amount of time that uh, has gone into it, uh, I, I can't even imagine. But, oh, yeah. Uh, Is there a book that you've recently read uh, that's uh, maybe a different book that you've published that you really enjoyed that you could share with our listeners? The one that I really enjoyed, uh, I probably because I, I, I work for a uh, uh, Back a number of years, I worked with a, a French motor racing uh, photojournalist named Bernard Caillet. Um, I published his uh, memoirs back in, in, I think it was 2007. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I read the great book by Chris Nixon called Mon Ami Mate. That's uh, M-O-N, Mon Ami Mate, mm-hmm. um, which is a book that uh, focuses on the relationship between Peter Collins and Mike Hawthorne back in the uh, 50s. I did read one recently. I can't remember the author's name off the top of my head, but it was about Chris Amon's season in 1967 when he was driving for Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure if, some, if uh, uh, your people listening, if they Google uh, Chris Amon um, book, what have you, it'll come up. But yeah. it was... Uh, it was very very well done because it not only mixed what was going on on the track, but it also kind of uh, brought in the world events of what was happening at that time. So it was a little bit unique from that standpoint. I sure. Mean, that, that, that was kind of the last motor racing book that I read, and I think that was probably six, eight months ago. I'll post all these resources up at com slash Michael Kaiser. And you can find links to everything that we've discussed here on his show notes page. Well, Michael, now we're up to the last question. Uh, this is the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy for some people. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, and that's something you can't sell to buy a bunch of other cars with, and money was no object, what would that vehicle be and why? Uh, geez, I have to go back to the old Porsche Speedster. 
Mm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've had I've had Porsche, Porsche, other Porsches, uh, 911s. Uh, I had a Ferrari. I had a 442 Oldsmobile. I had a 396 Camaro, BMW Bavaria. So I'd have to have to go back to the old Porsche Speedster again. What is it about that Speedster? If there's one thing you could say about that vehicle that really pulls on your heartstrings, uh, I don't know what it is. I suppose you know if it, the first car you drive, it obviously yeah. makes an impression on you. Sure. And I mean, I was only what eight nine years old. Mm-hmm. Actually, it wasn't it wasn't even my parents who let me drive it. It was my sister who was a, had a driver's license, and I kept bugging her about, "Come on, let me drive it in the driveway." And she finally <laughs> let me, and I just barely see over the steering wheel. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, just that that uh, thrill of putting your foot down and and something going. <laughs> oh sure, set the hook. Well, I sure hope you get one of those someday. Michael, you've taken us for a great ride today, and I'm sure there's so many more stories you can share for us. Maybe someday you can come back here to Cars Yeah. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with our listeners. If you could give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Porsche Speedster, and then let our listeners know what's the best way for them to learn more about you and your business, and then we'll say goodbye. An old lady I knew back in uh, To Thine Own Self Be True. <laughs> That's from Hamlet, William Shakespeare. Uh, well, autosportsltd.com uh, is my website. We have a very good uh, search engine where you can put in the name of a driver, track, or car, and it'll bring up every poster we have on our site. Um, we have about 700 posters and uh, quite a few books and a couple of DVDs. And even if you don't buy anything, you might enjoy just going and looking at the at the posters on the site. There's an email there, um, so you can you know you can always email me. Great, um, and I'll try to answer any questions people have. I get constant emails from people who, you know, I drove a Corvette back in 1965. Do you have a picture of it at uh, uh, some obscure track in South America? Sure, sure. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything that Michael shared with us today at carsyad.com/slash/michael-kaiser. That's K-E-Y-S-E-R. And I've been to Michael's site many times, and you can spend a lot of time there looking at the wonderful images. And as I said earlier, if you've got an automotive enthusiast on your Christmas list, uh, it be a great place for you to go. And, and even if the book is not out to December, put a note in a card and say, your Christmas gift is coming in January. I'm going to get you a really great book. I'd encourage our listeners to do that. Michael, I want to thank you again for being so generous with your time this morning and your expertise and, and sharing your experiences with me and the listeners Until we talk again, we'll see you down the road. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!